Hi, this is Lissa and Jerry Lee. Welcome to Experience Eden, This Side of Heaven. We hope this conversation will speak to your heart and inspire joy. Welcome back to Experience Eden on This Side of Heaven. The topic for today is free will, a blessing or a curse. <laughs> Good topic. Right? So, you know, we always play with definitions. We like to know uh, the meaning of what we're talking about. So I'm going to read these definitions for you of what free will is. So free will, a voluntary choice or decision, the power of acting without the constraint of necessity or fate. Freedom of humans to make choices that are not determined by prior causes or by divine intervention. So free will is closely linked to the concepts of moral responsibility and the introduction of sin or the fall of mankind in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve chose to willfully disobey God. So that's our take a little bit on free will. So for the concept of free will, why did God give us free will? And thus the ability and opportunity to sin. So that is the age old question, right? Why did God give us this free will? Yeah, there's been centuries of passionate debate about this. And it's really interesting, the different uh, theological opinions on it, the philosophical opinions on Mm -hmm. it. Uh, It's just, it's really interesting. And so for me, the reason that this was kind of brought to the forefront for me right now was I just recently heard kind of in passing um, the story about Pandora's box or Mm -hmm. a reference to Pandora's box. And um, I'm surprised to know that not everyone has heard that like at our age. Mm -hmm. Yes. I just looped you into my age. I haven't really heard of Pandora's box. I was telling you that. Yeah. That was fascinating to me, but of course I grew up in Newfoundland and it was just a part of the curriculum. I think it was in high school. I'm Hmm. pretty sure, but um, it's a story from Greek mythology. So it is just a story. But um, I studied it actually in school. And so I had remembered it. And um, it's a term that's kind of like a euphemism that's used in modern culture now. Mm-hmm. And so um, Pandora's box is often referred to something that is either taboo or yeah. something that's not good for you. Yep. Or something generally to leave alone, you mm-hmm. know, or like people will say, well, don't open Pandora's box because something bad's going to happen. And it's kind of used like flippantly and just kind of in passing. And for some reason, it came up recently somewhere I saw it, and uh, I was just intrigued to kind of rehear it or mm-hmm. reread the story. And it's actually pretty fascinating. So it's a story, like I said, yeah, from Greek mythology, and it's about uh, Zeus creating the first ever woman. Okay, so Zeus being mm-hmm. the, the Greek god of all gods. And um, he created this woman, the first human woman female, uh, and named her Pandora. Mm -hmm. And her name uh, represents possession of all gifts or possessing all gifts, something to that effect. And so she married uh, a Titan or something like that. And uh, as a wedding gift, um, Zeus gave her what is now known as Pandora's box. 
Um, in doing my research, I found out that it probably, in terms of the actual mythology, the actual story, it was probably more like a jar, like something you'd see like in Egyptian culture, like a big clay, a large clay jar with a lid. Hmm. And so somewhere in the translation over the years, as the story was um, reproduced, um, somebody changed it to box. Don't know if that matters really, but it's essentially a container, very beautiful um, container that was given to her as a gift. And now Pandora was supposed to be made in the likeness or the image of Aphrodite, the goddess. Mm -hmm. And so she was beautiful and charming and charismatic and very desirable. And so Zeus gives her this box, but he's irritated mm -hmm. with the Titan that she married. So mm -hmm. it's kind of, it's kind of, um, it's a gift and it's kind of presented as a gift, but we still learn it's not really a gift. Yeah. <laughs> and so Pandora is given this gift, this beautiful box and told, here you go. This is your present, but you may never open it. Oh, she was given the <laughs> commandment. She was commanded to uh -huh. never open this beautiful gift. And so the story goes in mythology that um, she kind of kept it you know, in view and kept it around. And slowly she started becoming more and more curious. Um, she desired more and more to know what was inside this box and she just couldn't take it anymore. Mm -hmm. And even though she was told explicitly, you can never open that box. What does she do? Opens the box. Opens the box. <laughs> and so immediately all of sin is unleashed onto the earth. Okay. Yeah. So sin, murder, death, illness, greed, jealousy, all sin, all evils that the world could potentially possess were suddenly unleashed by Pandora upon opening this box. And she panics mm -hmm. and she sees all these things coming out and all these evil forces coming out and she jams it shut. Mm -hmm. And when she does so, apparently as the story goes, um, in doing that, she trapped hope. The only remaining thing in this box was hope. Mm. And just in her haste, she just kind of shut it and closed it and trapped hope in the box. And so I, in rereading this, I was fascinated. Like she was given the box and then given the ability or the key to open it, but told to Not never to. open it. Mm -hmm. And so I, I mean, I went over the story, like I said, in high school and um, it never occurred to me at the time I was in a different place in my life and um, certainly not walking with the Lord and seeking the Lord and studying the Bible the way I am now. Mm -hmm. And even in doing this podcast and in doing, you know, the Eden intention and the original, original sin, our previous podcast, this one hit me pretty profound. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, sounds very familiar. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't believe it. I'm like, yeah. what the heck? The parallels are mind blowing yeah. actually. Definitely. Um, I mean, some of the parallels were like, okay, so it's both original females. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, God, God Zeus in mythology and mm -hmm. God, our only God, our almighty God created Eve, mm -hmm. like Zeus created Pandora. Mm -hmm. They were both given one job. <laughs> you had one job. <laughs> Literally. Literally, they were just told to not do just one thing. Yeah. And... And it's interesting, even in today, when you when you really consider like how when you're told not to do something, 
it makes you want to do it even more. Yeah. Like try to try doing that with a five year old. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like, uh, little Johnny, don't eat that. You know, and it's just from the moment they hear don't do it. It's, it just piques some kind of weird desire or curiosity or interest in it. And so I was just fascinated by the parallels between the two. Mm-hmm. And then this urge eventually became so strong that she had to open the box. And then what I thought was really interesting was that when you think about it, the, the main parallel, I mean, you can compare the evil being unleashed, um, sin being unleashed on the world. Mm-hmm. Really, the, the deepest, most profound parallel to this whole thing is that it's an act of disobedience. Mm-hmm. And we talked about that so much when in the, the Eden intention and how disobeying God's will um, was really uh, the beginning, the downfall of mankind mm-hmm. was the act of disobedience. And so, you know, obviously Pandora's box is a myth- mythology, yeah. mythology, sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the similarities were too much to ignore. And it's really interesting how different cultures over different centuries in different civilizations will attribute the evil and the nastiness that has been exposed upon the world mm-hmm. to an act of disobedience. Yep. And it just, it blew me away. I'm like, we got to think more about this. <laughs> this is too good to ignore. And then, you know, as a Christian, um, when we, when we consider that evil was unleashed upon the earth as an act of disobedience, it's, you have to kind of think at, on a, on an individual level. So what am I introducing into my own life mm-hmm. when I'm disobedient? Yep. And why on earth? If I know God's word and I know the expectations of me and all the blessings that he wants to bestow upon me, why won't I just do that one thing? Yeah. Why, why can't I just be obedient? There lies free will. <laughs> and this is, this is how we ended up in the topic. So is it a blessing or a curse? So we think about these two things. Um, both women were created with the ability to choose. Mm-hmm. They were given rules. Mm-hmm. And then they were given the ability choose to follow them or to not follow them exactly and so we get to this point and like you said in the introduction is why would god let us do that Mm -hmm. if god knows that we're going to sin he knows everything he's omniscient so if he knows that he's going to create us and then establish a rule and then we're going to break the rule what is the point Mm -hmm. and so this is what's really people really passionately debate this and there's so many different schools of thought. I encourage people to dive a little deeper uh, in the word, um, do some research on your own. It's really kind of a fascinating concept. Uh, we're not going to try and explain it completely, obviously. That's, <laughs> not, that's not the goal here, but the goal is to have a conversation. Yeah. And um, to think about it from an angle perhaps that you haven't thought about before or um, through our research and what's been interesting to us, um, maybe it will intrigue you. Yeah. And, and Maybe further a debate, you know, in your own families or in your own Bible studies or in your own. And let us know, too. I'd love to hear anyone else's take. Yes. yes. (laughs) And then one of the important things, I don't want to forget this, is that so we've talked about the sin component and the disobedient component. But then I was really struck by um, the concept that hope was what was trapped Mm -hmm. inside. And then it was like, if you know hope is in there, why wouldn't you? Unleash that too. Yeah. <laughs> why keep that concealed? Like why? Like now that you know all the evil is out there, and yeah. and essentially the the kind of the the image that you get is that once these things are out of the box, mm-hmm. you can't you know you can't unspill milk as a term that yeah. people use. It's like once the damage is done, you can't undo it. 
So once the evil and everything's been out in the world, why then would you not release hope? I mean, mm -hmm. if she was to understand that hope was in this box, why keep it in there? And so I read some commentaries on it, and uh, it's just interesting. Some of the um, some of the research kind of implies that um, all the evil, once it's unleashed, um, once Adam and Eve ate the apple and sin was introduced, now the evils upon the world are out of our control. Mm -hmm. Okay, so what what the evil that surrounds us, the evil in others, uh, it's beyond our control. Mm -hmm. But hope is within our control. Mm. And that was I so, love that. it was so soothing. And to be honest, uh, on when I did that study back in high school or whenever it was, um, I didn't remember reading that part. Mm -hmm. And I, it was just a really cool kind of revelation for me to think, okay, so all of this nasty has been unleashed on the earth, but hope remains. Mm. And hope is something that we can contain, meaning not that we don't want to, you know, share hope, or, mm -hmm. or allow hope to expand across civilization. My point for saying that is that we can control whether or not we are hopeful. Mm -hmm. And, and the beauty of it is that when, when we maintain our own uh, hope in God, uh, even though stuff around us, like we've talked about in previous podcasts, you know, there might be a storm raging around you, mm -hmm. but you can control whether or not you're hopeful in the midst of all that. Yep. And so that was a really cool reminder. And it was something that, you know, as a Christian, um, you know, God tells us that you will suffer, yep. but I will be with you. Yes. And you can, but hope remains. And so I just thought that was such a cool reminder. And like I said, I don't even remember where I heard the Pandora st uh, story recently, but it just, it really made me dive deeper into uh, the concept of unleashing sin and evil. Mm -hmm. uh, and then the fact that we can be hopeful and that that's, that's depending on us. Mm -hmm. So when something bad happens to us or we're exposed to evil, there's nothing we can do about that, but we can absolutely control how we respond to it and how we react to it. That's and whether that works at all. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. right? Exactly, exactly. And so one of the last things I wanted to talk about was a couple of Bible verses, but really what we want to kind of uh, hone in on is um, the cause and effect of sin as it relates to disobedience. And then that relates to suffering and death. The more dis disobedient we are, the more we're going to suffer. And so over time, hopefully, um, when you make that connection, when you can connect the fact that we may be suffering presently because we were disobedient, mm -hmm. um, that doesn't, that shouldn't be, um, like a death sentence or that shouldn't be something that makes you feel like, Oh, woe was me or Oh no, I've been disobedient. It's all over. Mm -hmm. No, it's actually empowering because if you were disobedient, you can become obedient. <laughs> yep, exactly. Sometimes you have to fall and go through, you know, those tough times or the, I mean, the best lessons you learn are when you fail, when you make those wrong decisions. So mm -hmm. then you know, which are the right decisions and how to fix that and correct it. Exactly. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so, um, again, in studying, I, I just I came across this um, Bible verse and I love it. Psalm 128, one blessed are all who fear the Lord, who walk in obedience to him. And so it's one thing to know what God says. Mm -hmm. It's an entirely different thing to actually obey it. And James 1, 22 says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Mm. I don't know how much more direct. Mm. <laughs> and action. Do yeah, do it. And um, Galatians 5, 17, for the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other 
so that you are not to do whatever you want. And um, there's countless examples in the Bible about um, denying your flesh and denying the urge that we have to gratify the flesh. Mm -hmm. So in Pandora's case, it was curiosity. Mm -hmm. In Eve's case, it was disobedience and wanting to know, well, what, what is this all about? What mm -hmm. am I going to know? What, how am I going to be like God? And so um, once you get those fleshly urges, really pause for a moment if you can. And the goal is to, to pause before we act, is to pause and dive into the Word. Mm -hmm. And the more you develop the spiritual maturity that comes from Bible study and, and scriptural and spiritual maturity interconnected by um, seeking relationship with God and mm -hmm. being in the Word, the easier it will become to not react to a situation, but to respond in an obedient manner. And that ultimately is the goal because we want to live in alignment with God and we want mm -hmm. to be obedient to him. And the first step, like any problem, is recognizing there's a problem. Okay, so I'm I'm succumbing to the urges of my flesh and therefore not being obedient mm -hmm. to God's word. So it's really important that uh, we make that distinction. And then it still goes back to, well, why would God do that? Yeah. Why on earth would our brilliant God, who is so intentional and so loving and so compassionate, why would he give us the opportunity and oftentimes the intelligence to screw up? Yep. I mean, <laughs> I mean, really, the most brilliant people can make the most catastrophic mistakes because they're relying on their own intelligence. Mm -hmm. They're relying on their own ability. They're saying, you know what? I am smart enough. I am in control enough that I can handle whatever I do. Mm -hmm. And the reality is that's one of the biggest lies you could ever tell yourself. Yep. And so um, if God created us with the ability to choose, it, it was for a purpose. God doesn't make mistakes. But the reality is God designed us with intelligence, with discernment, um, with the ability to choose. He made us out of an abundance, an overwhelming love for us. But ultimately, the free will was the opportunity to choose him. Mm -hmm. So to be created by him, to be governed by him, to be in relationship with him, to be obedient to him because we choose to do so. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of something that's hard to wrap your brain around, but it's like a romantic relationship. Yeah. That's probably one of the best examples yeah. that we can, most people can relate to this. So if you were pursuing a romantic interest or you were being pursued, I mean, you want to know that that other person chooses you yeah, and, mm -hmm. and wants to, to um, honor you and wants to respect you and wants to be with you and be around you and learn about you. And, and so more of us have experienced that kind of desire yeah. than desire to know God and to mm -hmm. be in his presence mm -hmm. and to please him and to be obedient. And, and it's speaking even for myself, that is such a sad realization that more of us it's more tangible for us to consider a romantic relationship mm -hmm. than that kind of a bond with God. And, um, you know, in creating us, he didn't make a bunch of robots and minions to do whatever he wants. He wants true unbridled relationship with us. Yeah. God's never going to force us to choose him. He wants us to have that relationship. He wants us, you know, to make that choice for ourselves mm -hmm. and to have that free will, but also with free will, 
you know, it gives us the opportunity to think for ourselves. And oftentimes though, when we're thinking for ourselves, those are motivated by the self, by our pride, <laughs> by our own desires. And so that's where we mess up. Totally. I like how you said opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> opportunity sounds like such a great word, but, but free will is the opportunity to sin. Yeah. <laughs> like pretty much. Yeah. And you don't look at like opportunity sounds like this wonderful word mm -hmm. and it sounds so positive. But in this case, the opportunity to make our own choices Mm -hmm. is an opportunity for sin. Mm, that's heavy. It's <laughs> very heavy. I'm grateful for free will, but yeah, yeah yikes. <laughs> right? It gives us the ability to choose right from wrong. Mm -hmm. And so that's where it is upon us, you know, to make those decisions. And when we do make decisions that are detrimental to us or when we mess up, that also gives us an opportunity to fix it, you yeah. know, to change that decision, to yes. choose the right thing. And I think that's where, you know, obedience to God really comes into play because we have to choose to obey him. We have to choose to follow his words and live in obedience to him, which is ultimately for our good. Exactly. Exactly. And so, like you said, the opportunity to exercise free will is also an opportunity to sin. Mm -hmm. But it's for me, um, my my biggest, most epic failures are what has brought me closer to God. Oh, absolutely. And it sounds counterproductive, but the Bible is full of people just like me who were sinners and who were failures. And the reality yeah. is that sin and um, the wrong decisions being made. And when we exercise free will, um, I call it free will gone wrong. <laughs> so, <laughs> so when your free will goes wrong and you've placed yourself in a situation where you've been sinful, the reality is you're separating yourself from God. Yep. And and we don't look at it that way a mm -hmm. lot. And and so sometimes when we do something sinful that either is just harmful to ourselves, like a victimless crime, or um, if if you know maybe we're hurting our spouse or our friend or whatever, we don't often make that connection that what I'm doing right now is actually separating me from God. Mm -hmm. I don't think we take it that far a lot. No. And you know. There's a, there's a lot of sin mentioned in the Bible, and some people equate it differently, like murder being different than gossip, for example. And and so people rationalize, well, I'm not killing anybody, so <laughs> not I can talk bad. about Susie down the street. Like, you know what I mean? But the reality yeah. is sin is sin. Mm -hmm. Sin is disobedience, and sin is separating us from God. And that's really the big picture. Mm -hmm. And when you think about it that way, um, it's more impactful because it's, it's more about disrespecting and disappointing and disobeying God is separating me from him. And that's absolutely the last thing I want to do. Mm -hmm. And so we, we really don't look at it that way a lot. And then the other part is though, like you said, once you recognize that you've been disobedient and sometimes that, that reckoning, <laughs> I'll call it reckoning rather than recognition is when we're forced to suffer the consequences of our bad behavior. Mm -hmm. And the reality is when you're in that moment, now it becomes a positive opportunity to be humble, mm -hmm. to surrender, to submit. And I've said it a hundred times in our podcast and in our Bible study. Um, the reality is the most pivotal posture you can be in to change your life is broken and on your knees at the feet of the cross and just crying out to God mm -hmm. to want to do better and be better. That is yep. a posture that invites the most transformation in your life. 
and the most humility and the most surrender and the most um, desire to be obedient. And then when you, when you bridge that gap and you close that separation that you've created with God and you feel his presence and you feel yourself getting closer to him and you're developing spiritual maturity and all those amazing, that, that bridge is being built between you and God. Um, when that happens, the overwhelming sensation of his grace and, and his forgiveness and his mercy and his compassion and his unconditional love for you, that inspires obedience. Yes. <laughs> so it's such an ironic thing that the ability to exercise free will can lead us into sin. That can lead us into humility and repentance and restoration and salvation and all, uh, all of those. Amen. Yeah. It's just, it's such an, a cool thing. And so that debate about, Ooh, why would God let us sin? If he knows that we are sinful mm-hmm. and he knows that we can separate ourselves from him, why would he let it happen? Well, speaking for myself, my own story and the stories of people I know intimately and personally, the most radical, the most um, pivotal, the most um, permanent transformations that I've seen are from people who had a lot of free will go wrong. <laughs> yep. Exactly. Isn't that amazing? Because otherwise, without that, how do we learn? How do we grow? How do we become, you know, like we all wish, okay, why did God just make us absolutely perfect? Like, make no mistakes, and we were just all fine and dandy. But at the same time, it's like, how would you grow? How do Mm -hmm. you, you know, evolve? How do you become a better person to then choose God? Mm -hmm. You know, if you made us all just little robots, it's what's the point of that? Exactly. And you know what? Another Another parenting analogy. Sorry to everybody who's not a parent, but when, when you become Me. a bus driver, <laughs> but I promise one day it'll all make sense when you become a parent or even in the, in the sphere of somebody who has, you know, you have influence over. It could be a niece or a nephew, but the reality is when you, um, when you sin and when you mess up and when you fail, oftentimes that occurs when you think you know it all. Mm, yep. Okay. So, so some of the most epic catastrophic failures of life occur when you think you're the best at something and you don't need help with anything and you've got it all figured out mm-hmm. and whatever that may be. It could be, it could be in your career. It could be in your romantic life. It could be in parenting. It could be in anything. Mm-hmm. If you feel like you have all the answers and you know what you're doing, you don't need any guidance from anyone, certainly not God, when you do that, that is the most likely time for you to completely fall on your face and ruin everything. Mm-hmm. That is not an accident. Nope. That is not, that is not a mistake that God made. Oops, I should have figured that out beforehand. That is by design. Mm-hmm. Because when you fall based on your own disobedience and your own arrogance, when that fall occurs, you will radically understand your dependence on God fast. Yep. Really fast. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've used this saying before, what my dad always says, everyone believes in God when the ship is sinking. <laughs> so when things start failing, how many people have bargained with God? Please, God, just just fix this one thing and I promise I'll follow you. Please, you know yeah. what I mean? Like yep. you yep. realize in the moment that life is out of control, especially if it's a result of your own bad mm-hmm. decisions, you begin to realize, wait a minute. I'm not as smart as I thought I was. I'm not as competent as I thought I was. I am not as slick as I thought no. I was. And boy, do I need God. Right yep. Maybe I'm not in control. <laughs> and you, you trust me or not. <laughs> <laughs> you 
exactly. But it's those moments that are so transformational because you realize, wait, I, I messed this up yeah. big time. Mm-hmm. And the, the irony is when you make such a catastrophic um, mistake in your life, it becomes really evident really fast that this problem, this mistake, this, this fallout that you're suffering is by your own design. Mm. And then that's, that's the type of situation that creates the posture and the position in your life for you to surrender to God and say, okay, I did it my way. God, talk to me, mm-hmm. lead me to you, lead me to what you have designed for my life. Yes. And when, when you experience that failure and you realize your dependence on God, now finally you're in a position to swallow your pride, completely discard the arrogance and say, okay, God, I will follow you. I will seek you. Tell me what you have for me. And I really believe that. Um, and like I said, in the Bible and in my little orbit of people, the most radical commitments I've seen to God and the most radical transformations have been from people who totally screwed up their lives, um, made epic mistakes and were humble enough in the brokenness to acknowledge that it was their doing, mm-hmm. that God is not bad or wrong. God is not punishing them. The fact that oftentimes their biggest failure is their own dis- disobedience and the own consequences for their decisions. And when you sit in that moment, mm. when, when you really have to sit in your own filth mm. and sit in your own mistake, it is profound, mm-hmm. absolutely profound. And furthermore, not only is it a catalyst um, and, and a springboard to desire a relationship with God, it makes you more compassionate towards people who are sitting in their own mess too. Oh yeah. And, and you can reach out to those people mm-hmm. and you can direct them to God and, and encourage and uplift one another in a righteous and godly way because now there's relatability. Yeah. And we've talked about it before, you know, for someone who maybe didn't know God or went away from God, um, they've experienced um, tragedies in life and difficulties in life and a separation from God. Uh, it's very different from being born and raised Christian, living Christian all your life. Not that that's anything wrong with that. That's fantastic. I, I wish that for everyone. But the reality is that's a small percentage of people. Mm-hmm. And the rest of us sinners yeah. <laughs> have, have to broken out. people <laughs> have to have the fall. Lots of hard yeah. yep. to figure of, it out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Scraped knees, bruised egos, destroyed relationships, failure after failure. Yeah. But that's and, the beauty of it, though, is like when that happens and you do turn to God, how good is God to us that mm-hmm. he changes that completely around? Mm-hmm. He takes all those broken pieces and just makes something so beautiful out of it. Out yes. of it. Yes. And only he can do that. Exactly. And I think that's what, you know, you seek relationship with him and he starts to show you like, I am here for you. You know, I am mm-hmm. your God and I will carry you. I will sustain you. And I just... I love that because like you said, then we can bring that to others who are going through the same thing. Exactly. exactly. And expand that hope that mm-hmm. we're talking about, you yeah. know? Yeah. And, and the thing is too, there's a relatability and brokenness. And when, you know, when I'm, when I'm seeking um, reconciliation uh, with God and guidance from God mm-hmm. and, and I want to surround myself with other Christians and there's a, there's a level of condemnation felt when you're in your brokenness from people who are projecting perfectionism. Mm. <laughs> like, I can't, like, I can't relate to sorry, that. Sorry, <laughs> you're perfect. <laughs> can't relate. <laughs> whole other language. Can't, can't compute. And so, so I think God uses our mess 
mm-hmm. to help clean up other people's mess. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, it's just the reality of it. And then, you know, to go back to the original topic of like free will, is it a blessing or a curse? You know, both. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty really much. You can, you can absolutely argue both sides, but ultimately, so the, the ability to exercise free will can get us into trouble mm-hmm. and it can be free will gone wrong, or it can be an opportunity to pursue God mm-hmm. and to behave in a righteous manner. But here's the thing. And going back to the Pandora analogy is that hope remained in that jar, in mm-hmm. that box. It remained. And it was the only thing that she could eat could contain any longer because all the other horrific things on the planet had been unleashed. Mm -hmm. Same thing with Adam and Eve. So they sinned, they disobeyed and they separated themselves from God. And of course God punished it. And the Bible in Genesis has a a lot of details, all the punishment that we are going to suffer until eternity and salvation in heaven. So there are definitely consequences for our sin, but we can be reconciled to God. But the key is obedience, Mm -hmm. active pursuit of relationship with him and hope. Mm-hmm. And the reality is that there's hope in righteousness and obedience. And so what was really exciting in all of this um, discovery of the hope aspect for me in this particular study um, was that, you know, the closer we get to God, the more we take a posture of obedience and uh, surrender and trying to figure out exactly, you know, what is God doing within me? And then what does God want me to do around me? Mm. When you really, really focus on that, the beautiful part is righteous living becomes like muscle memory. Mm. So all the things that used to tempt you, you know, all the things of your flesh and all the things of the word, the more you exercise your righteous muscle, the easier it becomes. So slowly over time, the good news, the hopeful news is the more diligent you are. The more mm-hmm. intentional you are on righteous living and obedience, the easier it becomes. It's really hard in the beginning yep. to deny your flesh mm-hmm. and to deny the desires of the flesh. And and some temptations will never go away. But the reality is as long as you have a relationship with God, you assume a posture of, of obedience, and um, you remain hopeful in his word and his promises, who God says he is, what he says he will do for you, mm-hmm. and who he says you are to him, if you can focus on those things and remain hopeful in him, becoming righteous and righteous living becomes first nature to you. Mm-hmm. Not second nature, first nature. Mm-hmm. And the things of the world will lose their appeal over time. Absolutely. And that's the hopeful message is that the more you learn to exercise free will on the side of obedience, mm-hmm. the more joy you'll experience, the more peace you'll experience the more you will solidify your relationship with God. And it's really the most hopeful thing we can, we can come uh, that can come from the uh, free will message is that we have hope and we have the opportunity. I love that word. I love that word is the more we use it, the more opportunities we have to exercise free will for righteous living. Mm -hmm. And it's not something that righteous a lot of times we talk about things being self-righteous. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about true righteousness as it relates to obedience to God. Mm-hmm. And there's so much hope in that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think we really realize it. And so I was when I was studying this, I came across another Bible verse that I thought was so wonderful. Um, it's 1 Peter 5.10. And the grace of, the, excuse me, the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. 
Amen. Amen. To that. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so he says we'll suffer a little while. Mm-hmm. And we'll suffer at our own hand. We'll suffer at the hands That's, of our own disobedience. It's our flesh. Mm-hmm. But after you've suffered a little while, he will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, mm-hmm. and steadfast. How beautiful is that? I know. It's, it's, it's so encouraging because um, spiritual maturity begins to develop. And then your faith grows stronger. Mm-hmm. And you know, what if what if this free will concept is just to develop faith and trust and hope in him that mm-hmm. he's at work and that um he he will fulfill all his promises as long as we're obedient to him. Yes, he will. And surrender to him. And it's just a, a ultimately what I got out of it at the end of all this <laughs> is the message of hope and that free will is um is not something negative. It's actually a very beautiful, uh, loving gift that he gave us mm-hmm. to choose him. Mm-hmm. And it's no more complicated than that, really. We make it complicated by sin, but the reality is free will is a gift that God has given us to pursue authentic relationship with him through obedience and surrender. Mm-hmm. And the hopeful message of all of this is spiritual maturity will develop as relationship with God deepens and we can really pursue righteous living with our free will. Amen to that. Amen. Let's pray. <laughs> Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much for the message of free will, for the gift that you've given us and the ability to make our own choices, Lord, and to choose you. Speaking as a Christian now um, that really has some bruised knees and a bruised ego, Lord, and plenty of failures and mistakes under my belt. Lord, thank you for giving me the opportunity to turn to you, to seek you, and to choose you. What a gift. What a gift to say, Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I choose you, and to mean it with my whole heart. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to be in fellowship. Thank you for my beautiful sister, Alyssa, Lord, that um, she's willing to take this journey uh, in relationship with you, Lord, uh, to really tackle these difficult topics. Free will is a scary and daunting topic, Lord, but thank you for giving us hearts that um, desire what your heart desires, Lord. And that we ask you that um, moving forward, that we really use our free will and our ability to choose for righteousness, Lord. Not only to benefit ourselves, Lord, but to glorify you and to point others to you, Lord. May we continue to glorify and grow your kingdom. And thank you for all you've done. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys so much for joining us. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us. We hope your time with us has brought you closer to God. And makes you feel equipped, empowered, and encouraged to experience Eden on this side of heaven. To connect with us, please find us on Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube. We'd love to hear from you. Have a great day!